All right, welcome back to this week's episode of the Two Top Podcast. Maybe welcome. These episodes, including the last one, they probably came out really close to one another. Some would say the same day. Others would say I put some time apart. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> but you'll find out soon. <laughs> you'll find out soon. But for all you know, maybe this episode was recorded 30 seconds after the last one ended. But details, details. Matt... We're back on this sunny day, and we are inside a dark room with half the lights broken. Yeah, I wonder why. I don't yeah. understand. It's it's moody, like you said. It's kind of vibey, atmospheric. So hopefully there will be some supplemental content coming very soon. And before we get into this week's episode of the Two Top Podcast, I just wanted to do a little shout-out for my one friend's podcast that I've started listening to. It's called the Fake Geek Girls Podcast. Uh, my friend in it, Holly Painter, I always talk to her about the Game of Thrones seasons coming around. And they have recently been talking about the new Avengers movie in their recent uh, episodes. And it's a short podcast. I really enjoy it. It's good, fun, geek culture. And they're like the perfect podcast length. They're like 30 minutes long, you know. But that, nice. they just released their second episode, and you should definitely go check them out. Where can you listen? You can go listen to them on SoundCloud. Look up. The fake geek girls, and they'll show up. Fake geek girls. Fake geek girls. That's the name of the podcast. Nice. And that's relevant to today's topic because right now I wanted to go into the history of CGI. CGI. What does it stand for? CGI is computer graphics integration. Ooh. So Uh, some would say the very first CGI film. That's like very CGI, CGI is the Tron, Tron, you know, Tron, the original Tron, the original. Tron. Okay. Yes. I know the original Tron, but it goes Classic. a little further back than that. In the year uh, 1973, uh, cinema had its first 2d computer image in, um, the Android Western of not the Terminator. It wasn't the Terminator, but it was a sci-fi Western that was kind of like a mix of Terminator and a movie called Evil Shane, but it was the first notable picture to have some CGI in it. You say 2D images? Yeah, 2D. So basically just pictures in the screen. Yeah, pretty much. Wow, basic, but that probably knocked people's socks off back What then. it was is the, it was a robo-vision of a pixelated uh, POV digitally processed with computer graphics. Whoa. Whoa, fancy. I know, I know. We're talking 1950s here, right? And this was at Information International, Inc., also known as III. And it was truly revolutionary. You know, each frame of footage was color-separated, scanned, so it could be converted into a rectangular blocks, added pixel matrix so they could make the thing they wanted to add, and then put back on film. Wow. So that's the very start of CGI of what, of what we know it as today, which I'm sure the process is, is much more complex than that. So, you now go into, oh, wait, did I just, like, draw a blank? Oh, my bad. It was Westworld. <laughs> Westworld. Oh, the original. The original. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. If people watch Westworld now, it's it's the old very one. different. Yeah. Probably the CGI is not nearly as good. Maybe close. I don't know. 50s. Uh, modern day. S- a little better. A little but better. in 1976, the first 3D computer graphics come into- What movie? The inspired- uh, the sequel, Future World. Ah, so they were kind of the first, that whole kind of yeah suite of films there. 
But they did um, more ter- terrifying droids in the Crystal Maze in the Future Zone, and there was a first glimpse of 3D graphics. There was no crazy, crazy stuff, but it was enough to get uh, register. Their hard work was recognized at the Oscars later for the Scientific and Engineering Academy Award. So that's, that's pretty good. Pretty solid. Pretty good CGI. Now, that was 3D, 3D computer graphics, but now we'll go into 3D wireframe graphics. So this is a Wireframe. This is more like, imagine if you took my hand and then like took all the contours of it and then turned that into a mesh, and that is a wireframe. I'm sorry. I didn't follow you there. So are, is that the type of CGI where they record sensors on bodies and have them move around and then they kind of fill in? Well, this is more like, imagine if um, if you had a ball. Okay. And you took the skin off the ball. And you just had, like, the parts of the ball that makes it a ball. So, like, imagine if you had rings on a ball, and then you were to put a fabric over it. Okay, yeah, okay. I can picture I'm following. You, you kind of get it? Yeah. Kind of get the vibe. But that's wireframe. So Wireframes. The, the structuring, solid things. Okay. Yes. And now, this was part of the idea this kind of came into the ideas when George Lucas was thinking of the Death Star so that was CGI correct or did they use models they probably did a little bit of both it was models but there was some uh, there was some use for a little bit yeah now the first like extensive 3D 3D CGI this comes from it's probably a pretty awful film yeah, maybe a good plot, probably awful production. Well, it is pretty much. They conjured um, these companies that they wanted to create them a light cycle for the movie Tron because this is where Tron comes into play for our s- extensive 3D CGI graphics. Ah. So Steven Lissinger's CG was so good, but it didn't push the boundaries of CGI as much as they wanted to for them to get a light cycle but they used a computer that boasted like a very fancy computer with a lovely two megabytes of memory two megabytes <laughs> two megabytes my dad as a joke my dad when he walks by he, and we're talking about technology he's like 15 megabytes or something and i know he's talking about his old mac computer or whatever compared to what we have now today it's crazy how far we've come <laughs> So that computer was used to create the CG sequences of Tron World. Two megabyte computer. So it's pretty basic, basic graphics, right? Yeah. Have you seen Tron? It's The original, original? It's a fever trip to watch. (laughs) So there was, it took over a quarter of an hour to to get all these things. It was slow because they need to get all the 3D light cycle races, which would go with neon blurs and the different... All this different stuff. Trip, Triple I was back again to help out with this because they also had ships. They had their cars that they had to create in CG. It was a, it was a big process. But CG over time, you know, more and more happens. More and more progress. It gets better year after year. Um, Pixar did some work in it in 1985 with the lovely Lucas Films. It was kind of creating a stained glass night for the movie. So stained glass. 
Now, those companies like Pixar and uh, what is it, DreamWorks, they're animation companies, but they also do, I'm sure, CGI incorporated with real live live people. Correct? Yeah, because CGI, in a sense, is computer graphics, but if it's doing something, you have to animate the computer graphics still. So they are they're pretty solid. They're pretty good. Now, there's more and more going into it. The water effects came later in 1985. When you say 89. water effects, do you mean like simulated CG water? water? CG yeah. water. Okay, yeah, I can, when you say that, I can picture some really bad CGI. And I don't know if it's just older, but I know if you go to like the sci-fi channel and it's some like, I'm not I'm not going to say Sharknado because I haven't seen that, but like it's maybe like a cheap sci-fi budgeted film. I've seen some pretty terrible CGI and I think I can picture the water you're talking about. So do you want to know... I would say big moment for CGI. Like there's a lot of practical effects in this movie, but Jurassic Park showing the glimpse of those giant the dinosaurs, bronchiosauruses yeah. eating those trees. Yeah. Like that that was CGI and that was the first like physically textured CGI model. Yeah. That like really set foot because that movie still holds up today. Absolutely, yeah. That's a classic film. The and yeah, and those movies were hybrids. They didn't do everything CGI. They did a lot of model dinosaurs. I know I've seen pictures of the models that they used in the film to make it look as real as possible. That movie magic, you know? Yeah. Now, I'm just reading the facts that I see here. Sometimes you want to double check facts, triple check, but I'm reading here in 1995 was the first full-length CG film. In the first full, first ever full-length CG feature... Toy Story was a massive undertaking. Toy Story. Like the original, Dis, uh, what is it, Pixar? Pixar, yeah. Yeah. But that's, you're right. It is all CGI because, you know, they have to do, in a sense, animation is animation, but if you're doing it on a computer, it's then computer animation. Because there's been animated films done by hand. Disney has been well known for that. Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella. Oh, you know what? You're exactly right. I was confused there for a second. I'm like, well, what's the difference? But yeah, animation can be like you're literally drawing. You can draw the animation, whereas computer-generated three-dimensional frames on a computer. Frames, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, something that's CGI. Different. Absolutely. So now I'm picturing all the all the children's movies that we know, you know, where they aren't necessarily drawings yeah and toy story does have that unique look to it compared to say a film like uh i don't know i like thinking about wally because i like the movie wally that that looks a little different you know it's not as i i picture like i i think i've seen the drawings for like wally or something you know where they're sketches with pens and and colors whereas toy story you say it's done on a computer yeah i can see it because it looks everything looks kind of rounded and like the color scheme is kind of specific so, you know, things have just kind of advanced exponentially from there. I kind of wanted to, I could go on and on, read like the accomplishments year to year to year, but we're all about giving you kind of like a brief little detail. Do you remember one film in particular that came out that people are like the best CGI I've ever seen in our lifetime? Well, I can think of one that I remember people were going crazy for. I mean, Every time a movie comes out, that yeah, is, that's true. Like I know Avatar. That's what I was just gonna yeah. say. Avatar. When Avatar came out, I remember people were like, "Wow, the CGI is incredible." But if you watch Avatar right now, it doesn't look as good as it, it doesn't what look, it looked it like a couple look good years at all. ago. Absolutely. Now, 
uh, one thing I want to say is one thing that people went, wow, how on earth did they did that? That's the first time I've ever seen something like that. Back in the Matrix, that was the first time bullet time was ever used. Oh, yeah. And since a slow motion camera panned around something, like that was, I remember hearing about people watching that for the first time. That was something that's out of this world. That blew their mind, yeah. Same thing as, as seeing like, well, we'll get to it in my topic. But I mean, <laughs> hey, we're finished up here, so I think it's time to move on to whatever Matt has. This is cool because you're talking about movies. Uh, I wanted to talk about, have you heard of the Rilo camera? Uh, As a technology company, the optics cameras, Rilo, R-Y-L-O. Yes, I have heard it's, of them. They have a new action camera out that I wanted to talk about, but I didn't just want to talk about that. I wanted to talk about kind of the state of, of action cameras, and specifically 360 action cameras are, are kind of where we're, we're headed right now. You know what? Fill me in, because uh, my father was actually thinking of 3D cam- like a 360 camera, but he didn't know. Well, you know what? The Rilo is... It knocked my socks off. I'll, I'll tell you, last week I was going through Instagram. I got an advertisement for it. I, didn't re- I scrolled through it real quick. I didn't really look at it. Then I saw a, a guy I follow on Instagram, a mountain biker. He had a video of him riding, and I was like, okay, this is different than a GoPro because he's, it's a 360 camera, and he's got some really cool views. He went around a turn, and he turned the camera outside of himself away looking back at him which I was a little confused at. And I know I've seen GoPros on on kind of narwhal mounts, they call them, where it sticks out from your helmet like a narwhal horn. Yeah. But this was different. This this kind of panned like as if it wasn't attached at all. So I was like, okay, what is it? So I looked into it, and it looked just like a three, 360 camera. So how does a 360 camera work? It's, it's two super wide-angle lenses on either side of a camera body that stitch together using software. Then it has all the footage that you shot, both ends, and you can stitch it all together after in post-production in, in software. So I was like, wow, that's that's incredible. So that's not like a new thing. That's been around for maybe like the past five years for consumers to buy, you know, and yeah. all companies, Samsung. Samsung, um, GoPro. GoPro. Um, this company, Rilo, is doing it. So they're just some notable companies. So I also noticed that the footage was really smooth, and the guy on the bike wasn't using a gimbal. So... Another thing I want to talk about is gimbals. Do you know Do you know what a gimbal is? Like six-axis gimbal, you know, everything? Yeah, that's for um, stabilizing footage, right? So you can do anything from action cameras to big, huge cinema cameras. So you can have kind of uh, gimbal work with weights where just gravity kind of supports you, where it's not perfectly stable. You kind of have to counteract gravity and work, work with you, but the weights kind of slow it down so it's manageable. Right. There's also electronic gimbals that can do it for you with software. Well, there's also image stabilization in cameras so you know like our camera cameras our ca- not camera cameras our canon cameras yeah. have lenses with image stabilization that you can turn on and off now there's a difference between software image stabilization and then hardware image stabilization so i'm thinking the new um the panasonic gh5 has a no i'm sorry it might be a lumix camera one of the new full frame bodies has a huge sensor in it it shoots 4k and it has a, a physical sensor that moves as the stabilization oh. which is pretty cool and you can move the camera body and see the the sensor move and kind of adjust as a gimbal itself which is very cool then on the other side of of things we have software stabilization which is in this case the rilo uses which is it naturally seeks the horizon and stabilizes it without much cropping because i know you can turn on in say you're in final cut pro premiere pro you can turn on image stabilization and it just kind of crops in a little bit and it never really looks as good as what, you want it to be what's the premiere command call is it 
time warp it's, uh, or something warp warp stabilization warp stabilization yeah. yeah and you get kind of that warp kind of it works that's software yeah. nowadays it's getting pretty darn good I'll, I'll admit you know and in final cut pro it's pretty good that's what i use but in cameras the natural software such as this Riley camera it goes straight through the camera to your phone via um well you have to plug it in with a cable if you want it to be quick or whatever but the software is so good, it automatically does it for you, and it's remarkable. So you should you should go to the website and check out the video of how stable it is. And I'm sure that Rilo isn't the only company. I'm not going to push just for them. I'm sure the other companies. We've seen the uh, the GoPro Fusion right. 360 camera yeah. come out, which is like the GoPro we all know and love. I've seen some great angles with that. One of my personal favorites is that little tiny planet, you know, where it, if yeah, it's the tiny- you, it looks like you're... Running around planet. a circle, yeah. That's a really cool view. And all these cameras are, are comparable with 4K video format, you know, which is pretty darn good. But I've seen a lot of YouTube videos where they're 360, and I don't know if it's software. I don't know if it's my computer receiving. I don't know if YouTube can't handle it, but the vid- video quality is not that great. Video in 4K, it never looks as amazing as just a flat picture. And I think it's something to do with it is 4K, but those 4K pixels are being stretched Across yeah. the whole display. And it's constantly being moved, not just following the frames of the video, but it's being moved in any direction that the, the editor might want to pull you in away. So that's kind of working against what the video is shooting. It's a, it's a weird concept. I haven't personally been able to play around with 360 video. I would yeah, like I, to. I would love to mess around with it. It's something that I've always found interesting, but it's also how do you still tell a story? How do you still create interesting content? With and like you said, nothing, nothing compares to the cinematic still frame, you know, still image video that we think of today. But the the Rilo footage, you should check it out. It looks really cinematic. It looks really good. And I think you might ask, what's the future of 360 video and how can we utilize it? Well, I think having maybe every camera with 360 capability, you're never going to miss a shot or an angle. No. Never, ever. Even if it's like... Uh, you're filming a press event and like, or say you're at that that big press conference with George W. Bush and the guy throws a shoe at George W. Bush and you only have one camera pointed at George W. You know, the camera could have got that guy at the same time throwing the shoe. And then you could follow the whole and shoe you across. Follow the-, the shoe in 4K video, easy smooth pan, natural software image stabilization. That'd be pretty cool. That's that's just a random use that. Well, I, could I was also thinking, like at a concert, if the, someone had a 360 camera, you should have. The venue, everybody dancing. It and then- saves it saves the amount of cameras you could use for multi views. You know how, like, say you're at a concert, you have a, a view on the drummer, and then you have a view from the drummer looking out. That's two separate cameras. But nowadays, you can just you're not using the same two videos at the same time. You could just just one, take one take 360 camera That's and only turn it around. One camera. So there's still a lot of applications. I think we still need to see how that content, how that it, how that content's taken in because. And utilize, yeah. Yeah. And absolutely, I've been pretty kind of skeptical. I was like, 360 cameras, like, how can you do it? We saw our, our good buddy Casey working with Samsung with their 360 camera, and he wanted to do a couple creative projects, but that kind of slowed down. I was like, well, I don't know how that's going to be cool, but only recently when I saw the quality of that Rilo camera and, and the guy on the bike using it, and then I went to their website and saw a bunch of other uses with the, the incredible image software image stabilization, I was like, wow, you know, this could be utilized if, if the footage looks that good, if it looks like a normal camera, but it has the extra capability. Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential, and I'm very excited to see where it goes because another thing, it's only right now viewable if you have a VR setup or if it's on YouTube. It's kind of also bringing how is that, 
how will people take in this 360 footage? Yeah, how, how are we going to consume it? Because, yeah, like I said, the YouTube video that I've seen hasn't always been the best quality. Sometimes the editor has to edit where the 360 sweep goes. I've played videos where you can drag the screen. Have you done that before? Yeah. And you can follow. And those are cool because you can watch the video a million times with a different view and see something new, which is a pretty cool concept. Also very tiring. Yeah. Well, it's Imagine like- movies like that. You go to a theater and you look, you stand and look around. Everyone's not going to see the movie in the same way. Okay. Well, I think it's something to look forward to because I personally, I've been looking into VR and as maybe VR gets more popular, it's, we'll be viewing all these films and shows and whatever you do in this 360 space in VR. But I think VR is a topic for another day. And I think this concludes our lovely episode of Two Top. The computer almost turned off on us. Anyway, thank you for listening to this week. I hope you learned something about CGI. I hope you're excited for the 360 future that we're going into. I mean, I personally like to turn my head around to see what's behind me. But hey, maybe I can do that in the videos. Because sometimes you always wonder, what's waiting outside the frame? Is it a CG monster coming out from the background? Or maybe it's some practical effect. But hey, those were our two topics. And... Before we walk off, I want to say a super quick sponsor of our new, awesome video content that's coming our way. Absolutely. So hopefully, I know we have planned some eps- some video supplemental stuff coming along. We have in the works right now, me and Matt going around the city, f- filming and showing off these different paint lines that we talked about in our previous episode. We could do a follow me kind of tour, tour around the city of Philadelphia with the lines. That'd be a great idea. Yeah, and it's coming. With, I don't know about next episode, but maybe the episode after, we will be doing a uh, face reveal type of podcast where wow. we're setting up a. <laughs> we're currently in the works of setting up a set that our videos, our uh, podcast will now also be consumed in a video format on YouTube. So we'll keep you posted on that. Check our Instagram, check our Twitter, check our website for all the updates coming your way. But for now, that's all we have for you guys. Absolutely, yeah. So, this was Two Topics. And we'll see you next week for another Two Topics. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and join us next week for another Two Topics.